On this month's Coaches Show on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network, head coach Chris Armas recaps the start of a busy month of May. Sunday's game coming up against Atlanta United. Plus, we've got fan questions coming up for you as well. Assistant coach Preston Burpo, he comes by and talks about, well, everything possible. You name it, we talk about it with Coach Burpo. I'm Matt Harmon. It's our May edition of the Coaches Show on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Okay, here we go. I really don't have too much to say You are listening to The Coaches Show with Chris Ormus on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Fresh off the training grounds and getting set for another showdown with Atlanta United. Red Bull head coach Chris Armis as we do our monthly podcast. Uh, coach, you know, this has been such an interesting matchup since Atlanta came into the league a couple of years ago. But if you think even back to the playoffs last year, the one thing that New York has always been able to do in the regular season has been able to get results against this team. You've never lost a game since they came into the league when you're talking about the regular season. Yeah, look, it's a short history, you know, for them being in the league. And, uh, yeah, look, we've had some good results. And some of those were tight and could have went either way. I mean, the the last regular season matchup last year, we thought we we really took it to them. The one that we went in there building last year, it was back and forth. There's penalties. There's, there's a few interesting one, moments that could have helped it go one way or the other. But yeah, we we I think we know that they're such a talented team. They they rely on having the ball and they're built in possession and transition. And we've typically stayed away from that, meaning put ourselves in bad spots just to you know, bad giveaways, bad mo- where they can really feed into where they're strong and we try to hurt them and, and make them uncomfortable with our pressing. Well, you think of it, I mean, uh, the the couple big differences from them last year as opposed to this year, no more Almiron, no more Tata Martino. So there's a, probably a little bit of a, a change just from a personnel standpoint and from a coaching standpoint. As you, as you look at this team, and, and at least to me, the one thing that kind of jumps off at the page is, yes, this is, a, this is a very hot team right now. They've won five straight, all shutouts. Are they a better defensive team than they were last year and maybe not as good attacking? Because if you look at the numbers, at least from a stats standpoint, that's that that would be the one thing that would maybe jump out. Well, we can clearly see that there's a, a real commitment to defending, um, a real commitment to get numbers behind the ball in, in defensive transition moments, a real commitment by their quote-unquote star players to really – buy in to what's going on there and, and meeting the demands tactically, defensively. So, and then you start getting some shutouts and wins and then, you know, you really start enjoying those zeros. So you can see that, that there's momentum there, a, a team effort to defend. You think about your side right now, you've won three out of your last four. And I say this in a way because last week, uh, the game in Dallas was the cap of, of that three in a week. The win against Los Angeles, the loss against Montreal, the win on the road in Dallas, six out of nine points. How would you grade that week? Would you say pretty good, okay, very good, somewhere in the middle? I would give the I would give the week 
a uh, 7.5, 8 out of 10. Like, I'd say it was pretty darn good. On the, uh, you know, you even see some teams dealing with injuries and, and some different setbacks. We've had some of that stuff. We haven't talked at all about it. We haven't used any excuses in the entire season with different guys being out. And there's been guys being out. You know, Kamar starts the year not healthy from continuing from last year. Now Brad's out. Luis misses a game last week. You lose Tyler Adams. There's been so many different things you can talk about. But when you think about that week, with the LA Galaxy coming to our building 7-1-1, one one, the hype around Ibrahimovic, Red Bulls are, who are they? What's going on? We beat them coming from, from down a goal um, to win that game, I think, convincingly. So you win that game against a team that's hot. You give up, you lose, the, we score first against Montreal, and then with a corner kick and, and a, a penalty that we gave away in a, in a few different moments of that play, it didn't feel great, but sure, it's, it's a, that one hurt. And then to, again now, when you get tested, psychologically and physically you got a third game in in a week on short rest to go to Dallas and they hadn't lost in their building the entire season number one in the league in possession or passing accuracy and we rotate the lineup a bit we give some guys a different look fresh legs but we win the game again three to one convincingly so not an easy week to manage. Not an easy week to think, all right, how's this going to go? And, and sure, six out of nine feels pretty good. You know, we talked about it, you and I did, in our coaches' interview, our pre-match interview before that FC Dallas game. There was obviously, uh, in, in essence, a brand-new lineup on the field. And I know I posed this question to you as, is this how big of an opportunity is this for a lot of players that m might be looking to pick up a starting spot, get more playing time somewhere in the middle. And you had made the point of saying it, this won't be their only chance, but when you get the result that you do and Dallas, how much more difficult does it make your job as the head coach, even putting the lineup together for the next game, thinking there were a lot of good performances in a pretty tough place to play, as you said, and you walk away with a really good result. How much do you have to reflect back on that and think to yourself going into Atlanta, how many of those guys have earned another opportunity to play? I think it, it makes our job tougher, which we prefer that. We prefer to have real options, more the list of guys that are reliable, you can count on, you know, the dependables, we say, the list grows from a game like that. So, you know, Andy Ivan and Derek Etienne up the field, you know, Brian White gets back in, has a solid game. Christian Caceres does excellent. Sean Nealis gets his first Major League Soccer start. Passes with flying colors. Kyle Duncan, left back, had a great game. Mario back in the lineup, looks solid. Right, so you start to look around this way and you say, all right, um, we've had we've had Tchaikovsky in the 10, Kaku back in the 10, off suspension, like he looks solid. So yeah, the list the list grew, the list of dependables grew. Guys, we can count on and and different, depending maybe even on on sharpness, tactics that we can call different numbers. What's that do 
during the course of the week in training. So off the Dallas game, a lot of good performances. Knowing Atlanta's coming in, and you look at the the players that either were in the starting eleven or even in the eighteen. Like the, there was no Danny Royer, there was no Shotkovsky, there was no Alex Wheel on that day. And then when you get back and you have training after that performance from some of the guys in Dallas, does training ramp up a little bit? Do the do the guys realize? In, you know, everyone's now back competing for spots. Not that they weren't competing for spots or playing time in the first place, but they're back off a really good performance. Yeah, it's certainly it heightens the sense of urgency and where you the guys, I think, know that that it's it's up up for grabs a little bit, right? We have certain guys that um, we, we we would as a coaching staff at least we are this this is you know Tim Parker starting the game. Right, but when you start looking around the field, you you do look at the week of training, how competitive it was, how sharp guys were. You can see now the hungriness they showed leading up to the Dallas game, and then after the Dallas game in training, it certainly makes our our life a little bit tougher as a staff. But that's welcomed for sure. Doing our monthly coaches podcast here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. In between our segment now and what we will finish with, which will be questions for the head coach Chris Armas. We'll have uh, goalkeeping coach Preston Burpo on. In between, New York getting set for that big matchup with Atlanta United coming in on Sunday at Red Bull Arena. Coach, you think back with Atlanta, the first of the two regular season meetings. How much? I don't know, conversation is there about the playoff series a year ago, or do you try not really to talk about that? Well, I can tell you we've talked twice now about Atlanta, um, a little bit tactically on, what is it, Tuesday, and then we discussed them in depth today. And the playoff game, either one, the one that we lost nor the one that we won at home came up. We didn't talk about... We didn't refer back to the playoffs. We don't think we need to. We, they're, we're different. They're different. We talk about us as a team, what the demands are going to be, what's the game plan, what's their strengths, what's their weaknesses, and we go, we, we present the game plan and some video. What has made Atlanta different from last year to this year? Well, listen, I mean, this is, this is the first time we're playing them where – they are the champions, right? So there's probably a built-in swagger or confidence that they have now that they never had before. They have a new coach, emphasizes a few different things. We can see that there's a little bit that that's slightly different. Much of the players are the same, but you know, Robinson at center back, he's a, he's a difference. Petit Martinez is in. You know, we know Gressel, we know Joseph Al- Martinez. No Almarone changes things, but um, you know that Remedy and, and Nagby, uh, we can see different guys. Escobar, we know. Parker might show up, right? We, we know much of the guys, but I would say that, yeah, a little more emphasis on, on team defending, commitment to get numbers behind the ball, get organized and be hard to break down centrally for sure. Um, yeah, we also uh, have other information on them, right, which – haven't won a game I think when they get scored on first right that's interesting no victories uh so yeah can we attack them early and and go after them you and I have spoken about this as well uh when you think of the month of May overall and now with the game on Sunday which will start another of 
three of the next four at home, Atlanta, Vancouver, away at Cincinnati, back home for Real Salt Lake for the first weekend of June, the first day of June, actually. And I know from a coaching standpoint, it's take it one game at a time. But going into now another stretch where you're looking to climb the table, pick up some points, make sure that uh, you get back on the right side of things, playing at Red Bull Arena, the players are aware of that, right? I mean, it's, it's not a message that you have to preach to them. It's not, it's not a message. The guys are well aware of, of where we were a few weeks ago, that we've climbed the table. We're right there. Some teams have, ahead of us have played more games than us, that it's an opportunity for sure to take another step forward, make progress, um, make a, a statement internally, you know, that we, the, the, to put a stamp on the belief of what, what we're doing here. So there's, it's Atlanta. I mean, there's a history there forming of, of meeting each other in some big games. And, yeah, so it's the, the, there's not a whole lot of need for motivation. It's a big game. We want to keep this momentum going. You know, um, as I just said, we're going to have we're going to have Preston on in between this first segment and then close it with with questions. The the staff that you have, and we've talked about it before. We had CJ on last month. I'm sure, we'll have Brad on at another point. Um, but the role of the of the goalie coach is somewhat unique because, from a training practice standpoint, sometimes they're a little bit removed, but yet so integral into everything that the team's doing well that's the way we that's the way we do it you know we think in Preston Burpo we have I, I consider him a, a an assistant coach he's meaning not the goalie coach yeah we don't I don't call him that you know of course he he his specialty and his quote-unquote expertise is, the, is with the goalkeepers and that's his job is to prepare those guys and um, analyze and, and the whole bit but he has a lot inside of his brain as you guys will hear soon he's got a lot of ideas and opinions he's, he's sees the game in a, in a good way he played the game at a high level so his understanding he chimes in a lot his, his opinions and ideas and thoughts are, are respected and welcomed so he runs finishing drills at times we give him a leash to do lots of things he you know, he's got again. He, he makes cases for, for guy lineup choices. I'm calling him on days off. Preston, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Non goalkeeper related. So we 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 have an asset in him. But yeah, he's an assistant coach. He's our goalkeeper coach. Um, but we we uh, we have someone special in him. Now listen, having having uh, an opportunity to know him over the course of the last couple of years, is there anybody on the staff or maybe within the entire organization that? could outrun him over a long-distance race? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Because he's a runner. He's a runner. I mean, he's got he's got a couple of things. He's got the, the running talent. He's got a, a beard that's... Right Second there. to who's, none. Who's got a better beard than Preston Burpo? But, yeah, he's he enjoys running. He can uh, certainly run with the best of them, but he, he uh, enjoys getting out there and get, getting out there for distance or the hills but he can he crushes it on road trips i'm preston you're you're you hey chris you want to go for a run are you are you all of a sudden finding something else to do are you shying away from that run with preston burbo he can't keep up with me so i tend to go off on my own um listen i've had a hip replacement um i've had two acl surgeries on my i i i, I stay fit but it's more the non-weight bearing activities but um yeah me and him going completely different directions. I did see you over the course of the week in Dallas 
crush one of the bike workouts on Peloton. I can bike. I don't get very far on those stationary bikes, but um, yeah, the 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 bike is one of those one of those non weight bearing activities. You get the heart rate going, get a good sweat, and um, try to keep keep strong uh, physically and mentally. One more to wrap this first segment and come back full circle with Atlanta coming in. Um, you've been pretty open about during the early course of the season. You've tried some different tactics. You've tried some different formations. Did you feel like, or in this stretch against Los Angeles, uh, first half against Montreal, the entire game of FC Dallas, where maybe it was more apparent that the, the full-on press was kind of out in the open? Is that when, when your roster and your team is, is at its best? I, I'd say that when we're, when we're healthy, when, we're at our, our, when we have everyone available, that there's a clear understanding of, of how we play against the ball. And sometimes it's a mid-block and staying organized in, in certain ways. And then sometimes it's all out pressing up the field on goal kicks. Now, you can't really em- employ your all-out pressing on, on goal kicks if, if they don't build out of the back. Which, again, when you think about Atlanta last year in the playoffs, they didn't let us do that. So they just bypassed our pressure. So some people say, well, why didn't you press them? Well, yeah, they, they were just going to b- bomb the ball forward. So how do you suppress so what? You just, you know, you're giving up space on the field then, either letting balls get behind you so one pass beats maybe seven players, or you give them the first pass and you keep your 10, 11 guys behind the ball. So it's two different things. Now, again, if teams are going to possess the ball and try to break us down by playing through us, not over us, and they're going to try to control the game with possession, that becomes a day that it could be fun. LA Galaxy, Columbus Crew this year, and Dallas, FC Dallas. On those days, we are able to employ the press in, in a much uh, more effective way, or we get a lot of reps at it. So we think no matter what Atlanta tries to do, there'll be moments to press them and play against the ball this way. All right, we'll take a quick timeout, our first of a couple during the course of our monthly podcast show. The head coach, Chris Armas, will come back on the flip side of the break. We'll talk with goalkeeping assistant coach Preston Burpo. Uh, Coach Armas will be back. We'll do some questions at the end of this May segment. Stick around on the New York Red Bulls radio network. Download the New York Red Bulls app today to stay up to date on everything New York Red Bulls. Buy, share, and scan your tickets. Get all the latest news and content and listen to New York Red Bulls radio in English and Spanish. Then flip to arena mode to find concessions near your location and get real-time answers from the Red Bulls chatbot. Available now on iOS and Android or visit NewYorkRedBulls.com for more information. We are back here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network, our monthly coaches podcast uh, with Chris Armis. We just did segment one. Coach will return in segment three, take some fan questions. I am feeling a huge amount of pressure as a broadcaster as we are bringing in. We did Last month, we did C.J. Brown. This month, we've got uh, assistant coach Preston Burpo in. And, Coach, when I say pressure, I feel like this is going to get so much internal attention because of of the profile that you have created for yourself here with this team and organization who's who's creating this profile i've created this i think you've created created your own your own profile um i'm not sure what profile we're thinking you're talking about but well i guess we'll dive into it you have a stature that i i think people 
are going to be interested to hear what we talk about over the course of the next 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, this will be, this will be fun. We'll see, uh, we'll see what comes out of this. So what I did learn today as we're doing this in a, in a different location from where we usually are, the room that we are in, the, you get a check mark for actually walking into this room. And I saw Chris Armas do it. I saw you do it. And clear in a way, you are, you are running away with this internal competition. Yeah, as you look up on the board, there's a, there's a good handful of checks for me. So this is the USL uh, coaching staff's office. And a lot of guys just don't wander over here. So every so often, I'll jump in, say hello, even if it's just to, just to check in on the group. What's the... Is it is it pride at the end of the season, or, no. or is there a, is oh, there no. a financial oh, reward? No. There is a six pack of beer that was rewarded to me last year. So yeah, John Wolniak uh, came in with a six pack at the end of last year, and I was quite pleased with myself. So I'm 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 in the running for another 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 good night out on my, out on my patio with, <laughs> with another good six pack. So I I I, th I thought of you today when I sat and actually had lunch because it's Burger Day yep. on Friday. Yep. Is that when you reflect as to whether or not you want to continue being a vegan yeah. when it is Burger Day, or does that reinforce the fact that you want to stay? No, as a I vegan? I actually still love the smell of burgers, uh, but I haven't had a burger. Gosh, it's probably been almost ten years now. Uh, but funny enough, uh, our nutritionist I think has uh, gotten some uh, Beyond Meat burgers uh, put into the program, uh, and I think that's because of Bradley Wright Phillips becoming plant-based eater. So I'm kind of I've kind of just uh, been benefiting from that, which is exciting. But uh, a lot of guys are jumping in on the Beyond Meat burgers today. I went out and said, "Hey, could I get three three Beyond Meats?" And they said, "Well, we have one left." So uh, yeah, a bunch of guys uh, they're, they're, have been getting involved in that. So I'm happy for happy for the guys that the guys are eating those. You know, when when you think of it, and that being such a a, a big part of your lifestyle, yep. right? Um, when did you make that change? Uh, gosh, it was at the end of my career. Uh, I was done playing, and I decided to do it really uh, as more of an experiment at, at the beginning. Uh, I was I, I was eating a lot of fish towards the end of my career and just chicken, and so I kind of just tried it for a couple months, started feeling pretty good, and then I started watching some documentaries and doing some reading on what is in our food and how food is processed and produced, and... Uh, I thought, wow, I'm not sure if I wanna wanna keep eating uh, the 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 chicken and the meat and all that stuff. So yeah, it kind of morphed into more, more into more than it was at the beginning. Uh, you know, then start reading about the environmental uh, causes uh, to produce uh, a lot of the food. So yeah, gosh, that was that was at the beginning of 2011. So yeah, I've been doing it for for a while now and feel pretty good and. I think I look okay. I mean, I'll let you guys judge that, but I think I'm doing all right for myself. Maybe we can put that up, Gordon, as a poll. Uh, <laughs> how, how do we like Preston Burpo as a vegan? How does he look comparative to someone of like age? Yeah, um, yeah. Do I mean stick with my age group though? Don't go, you know, anything out of the mid 40s. So you mentioned some of the some of the players kind of getting on board and yeah. maybe experimenting. What I have noticed this year more so than any other year that I've been been with the team and travel and involved in meals is, is there is a wider variety of vegan food this year than there ever has been. And as you said, probably player driven. Does that does that make you kind of bothered that you didn't get these options the last couple of years and oh, now all of a sudden the players no. are doing it? Oh and, gosh, no. Uh, I think I think it's great that some people are kind of opened up to different ways of eating and the eating that you can get your 
Get all your nu nutrition uh, through plant-based food. Uh, obviously, it's becoming a little bit more common uh, with with professional athletes. Uh, you know, there's a there's an NBA article a couple of years ago that came out, and a couple of you know, those guys talked about being plant-based. You know, I mean, I first heard about uh, guys being vegan doing ultra marathons years ago, and I thought to myself, if guys are able to run, <coughs> excuse me, you know, 100 miles, I mean, literally 100 miles at a time, and they're they're on they're on plant-based diets, I thought, okay. There's got to be there's got to be something to this, and you can figure it out as an athlete. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited that that uh, guys are jumping on board and are are seeing the benefits of it. Uh, you mentioned the word running, which is a perfect segue into something that is is really near and dear to your heart, um, which is exercise, which is running, which is going on long distance runs, which is going on trail runs. Um, Chris, before he left after our first segment, I kind of said, is there anybody that can outrun Preston in the building or within the organization? He, he kind of thought that on a good day he might be able to take you. I don't, I don't think that's the case, but um, why is it something that's so important to you? Is it, is it physical? Is it mental? Is it a combination of both? Because sometimes you, you're gone. We, we might not see you for a good couple hours. Uh it's me just trying to be active, to be honest, man. Uh, I first got into running at the end of 2009. My girlfriend uh, joined, uh, had signed up for a half marathon in Dallas, and I decided to, to do that after our team did not make the playoffs, sadly. Uh, jumped into it. I thought, man, this is, this is a hard, hard thing for me to do. But then once I was done playing, I needed something to do. Uh, you know, I was into trail, I was into kind of hiking and I was into biking and I just needed something more. And then I, I signed up for another half marathon, which actually was a year, almost a year uh, from the last game I had played in. And it was, it was pretty cathartic actually to, to do that and kind of move into a new chapter of my life. So yeah, and then just kind of stuck with it. And now it's, it's, a, it's actually a really good way for me to see the cities that we're in. You know, you get out and you run for, you know, about an hour and kind of bopping in different parts of town. And uh, so that's been that's been nice. So it's a lot of things. It's mental. It's being active. Uh, you can get a good workout in and, you know, short amount of time. You know, I think maybe uh, the frustrating thing is you talk about your running for some of the people within the organization. I know you just did a half marathon not not too, too long ago. You talk about it as if it's not really a big deal. Eh, I'm doing a half marathon. I'll be ready to go. Uh, it is. I understand. It's a, it is challenging. And even for me, it was a, actually this last one was a huge challenge, just prepping for it and trying to stay focused. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're doing consistent running, you know, getting out and doing 10, 12, 13 miles isn't, isn't the end of the world and you feel okay afterwards. Red Bull assistant coach uh, Preston Burpo joining us here, our monthly podcast. Chris Armas coming up with fan questions as well. New York getting set to take on Atlanta on Sunday uh, coach before he he left coach Armas before he left Preston I, I kind of said how do you view Preston Burpo within your staff because he's listed as the goalkeeping coach but he he took it a whole nother step further and said not just a goalkeeping coach he's an assistant coach and, and you and I have actually had this conversation before sometimes as a goalkeeper coach you you are isolated and removed from away but that's not really the case here with with New York in your role uh, when you came in and worked under Jesse and it's continued kind of under Chris, which I think for you has has made your job a, a continued challenge because you're integrated into everything the team has going on. Yeah, well, that's great to hear that Chris 
said that, and Chris does a really good job of incorporating not just me, but everyone, the whole staff and the fitness coach uh, and our video uh, data guy, uh, Victor, uh, getting their opinions in all the staff meetings and trying to generate ideas for what to, what to do on a day-to-day basis. And then, yeah, I mean, they, they threw set pieces at me a couple years ago, and that was under Jesse, and, and Chris has kept that going. And just, you know, trying to, for me, trying to have an input in, on, on being successful here. Uh, but Chris, is, Chris brings that out of us for sure um, on a day-to-day basis and wants us to, to be involved and, and talk to players and uh, be active on the field and not just kind of stand around and let him do all the, do all the talking. So, yeah, I mean, and I was talking to Chris just recently, about a week ago, and even telling him that he—that's he, one of the great things about him as a head coach—is letting us grow as 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 coaches ourselves. So, uh, yeah, I'm lucky. I'm lucky that that they see, they Chris slash you know the people around him uh, see me as more of just a guy that uh, you know go off in the corner with the, with the group of goalkeepers for sure. When you and you, we don't have to be specific with names, but when you do talk to other goalkeeping coaches from other teams, other organizations, maybe even other levels as well. Um, it's probably more, you're probably more the exception than the rule, right? It's changing. So I went through a goalkeeper course this past year and each goalkeeper coach has different roles within their group. And some coaches have a little frustrations where they just get shoved off to the side, but it does seem like it's tilting more towards the way it is here now that the goalkeeper coach is involved in a a lot of the day-to-day training sessions and set pieces and has ideas on what's going on in day to day, which is what it should be, right? Uh, I mean, we're all we're all part of this thing and trying to figure things out and trying to be successful. So uh, it was fun going through the course, actually getting to know these guys and what they're doing for their clubs. They say in Major League Baseball that catchers make the best managers. Why is that not translated over from a soccer perspective, where there's not a lot of ex goalkeepers who have become head coaches or managers whether it's here in the states or even overseas yeah that's good that's a good question gosh i mean you know the first guy that comes to mind is jeff Cassar, and he seemed like he was going to be the guy that was like okay there's a goalkeeper he's going to make this thing as a head coach and just you know and did okay right uh but didn't last you know a whole lot of time uh i don't know i don't know i mean it's i guess i guess thinking about going from from what I do and then you really have to become an almost an assistant coach then to become the head coach I don't it seems like it is it might it is kind of a hard jump I guess um you know I mean do a lot of goalkeeper coaches have aspirations to be head coaches I don't know I don't know I don't have an aspirations to be a head MLS coach I like what I do uh I like I like the guys I work with uh so I'm okay doing what I'm, what I'm doing. When you think about what you do right now, what's the what's the challenge as a major league soccer assistant coach, goalkeeping coach, when you think you've got Luis Robles, you've got Ryan Mara, but even today you had an academy player come up and kind of work with you a little bit. You've had Evan Loro. You've had several guys kind come in and out. Because the position is so specialized, you look, even in a case like Luis, who's been one of the, the better goalies in Major League Soccer the last several years, and then you've got Ryan Mara, who's right underneath him. They're not the same player. They do things, you know, one has positive, one has negatives, pros, cons, however you want to phrase it. What's the challenge as the coach to try and get the best out of each guy? Yeah, uh, 
with Luis on, on certain days, it's, it's later in the week, it's more just maintaining uh, what he's doing, just some kind of have a lighter training load. On, you know, on those same type of days, do you keep Ryan after for a few minutes? Yes. Uh, yeah, and their qualities are both such good. I mean, just speaking of those two specifically right now, I mean, they're both such good goalkeepers. I mean, you, and again, you see it with Ryan in the game the other day. You're like, man, it would be amazing to watch this guy play game in and game out, whether it's here down in the future or, you know, somewhere else. I mean, again, if a team came in for him at some point, they'd be so pleased to have him as their starter. Uh, but yeah, they do. They've got different qual a little bit different qualities. Ryan's a little more comfortable off his line with crosses. I mean, Luis is such a good shot stopper, and uh, so yeah. I mean, trying to tweak sessions and think, thinking one day maybe I throw something in for Ryan, and maybe you know the next day there might be a couple things in there specifically for Luis. But and at the same time, a lot of stuff overlaps. And then having USL goalkeepers and academy goalkeepers like we like you saw today, it's awesome having those guys up it's awesome and the Luis and Ryan uh today you hear them talking to him I mean they're constantly saying hey Alex think about this hey Alex maybe you should think about this and it's great it is it is so fun to watch these kids listen to, to Luis and Ryan and, and they have a lot to learn from those guys so uh yeah I I love having those guys up love it love it what what's different for you now as a coach here with New York, as opposed to 2012 Montreal, 2013, 14 DC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when when I got here, it kind of goes back to Jesse's philosophy of having guys really integrated in the day to day, like everything of what's going on here, and having everyone in, a, in an office. And you guys have all seen the office. There's like ten people in a in a space for four at times during the day. But that was on purpose and trying to get everyone's opinions. And, you know, my opinion was valued in 2012 in Montreal and, and, and D.C. it was. It was just it was just I feel more integrated in the in the day to day uh, setup for sure. Tell me about uh, Preston Burpo, goalkeeper, mid 90s, Southern New Hampshire <laughs> University. Stars, bad haircut. Um, I'm sure we've seen I'm sure I'm sure we've seen pictures somewhere on the Internet. Um, Worked hard, worked really hard. I mean, I always considered myself a, an average athlete, to be honest, uh, and I always realized if I was gonna be somewhat successful, whether it was in college and then eventually out of college, I, I needed to crank, I needed to work my ass off. Uh, and I did, and I loved it, and got, you know, the amount of days we stayed after training for shots and crosses, and, and then we'd all go into the cafeteria, the, the guys, that, you know, all the guys from the team, we'd. we'd change and go into the cafeteria and eat dinner and laugh and tell jokes and uh those th i mean truly i remember more of the times of training in the cafeteria time and all the banter than i probably do of all the games to be honest uh but no i i, I just i worked hard and I, again like i said I, that's i knew i knew that that's the, the only way i was going to potentially be a starter and i wasn't even a starter all four years in college to be honest uh and then i got lucky kind of post-college and uh, a coach, God, a coach, a guy named Neil Megson. I remember him saying, he goes, guys, do this as long as you can because doing a, a job in an office is tough. I thought, yeah, I like the idea of that, staying out here every day. You know, and you, and you did do it for a, a really long time. And, and every time we have, you know, either, either between talking with CJ last month, talking with Chris at different times, 
I have Steve Jolly every time so we can reflect back on on different things in Major League Soccer. You know, you graduate in, in 95 and then the league starts in 96, but you didn't play in Major League Soccer until 2006. Was was there was there frustration that you couldn't crack through into MLS or I, I listen, I know you were happy and established in Seattle for a really long time, but it, it's it's part of everyone's on their own path and different journey. Yeah, I definitely was hopeful of getting into the league uh, when I started playing, specifically in Seattle. I got loaned to Colorado a couple of times where the loans were really easy back uh, in the late 90s. And I thought, this is this is awesome. This is this is the top division. I want to be here. But as time went on, you know, it, it was like, well, I'd like to be there, but I'm pretty, pretty happy with what I'm doing in Seattle. Uh, and funny enough, in 2005, I went into the season thinking, this is it. I'm playing. I'm going to do 2005 and ideally 2006, and I'm, I'm done. Like, what was I going to do afterwards? I didn't know. But uh, I, had, I was done thinking about MLS. Uh, and then a trial came up with Chivas USA through uh, the coach, uh, who now actually is still the coach, Brian Schmetzer. He put in a call to one of the assistant coaches down, uh, down, in, down at Chivas. Yeah, and uh, I went down there. It was crazy. It was crazy. It took weeks to set up. And then even at one point, I was like, I don't know, whatever. I mean, if they want to fly me down, I'll fly down. If they don't, then, again, I'll keep keep uh, plugging away up here. And, they, yeah, they finally decided to fly me down. I was down there for about two weeks. <laughs> and I remember at the end of the trial, I, I, I said to the head coach, and it was Bob Bradley at the time, and I said in the morning, I said, "Hey, coach, you know, if you get a, if if you have time after training, I'd like to sit down and talk and get your thoughts." And so I go into his office after training, and I sit down. He was he had his doors you know, slid the door shut, and he says, "Well, do you want to start or do you want me to start?" I won't even give you my terrible Bob Bradley impersonation. <laughs> impersonation. And so I'm sitting on the other side of the table, thinking, "I mean, I got a lot to talk about, but I don't know." I wouldn't mind you starting. I didn't say those exact words. Like, I've got a lot to talk about. I just said, well, I said, I wouldn't mind hearing you, what you have to say first. So whatever. Uh, yeah, it was just it was just funny, the interaction I had with Bob sometimes. It turned out to, that he was an amazing coach, and I loved him. Um, but, yeah, I didn't know him at the time, and that was, like, my first sit-down with him. So, yeah, it just – I got lucky, uh, Matt, to be honest. It just was the timing of it. They needed a goalkeeper. They had Brad Guzan, who was this, I mean, amazing athlete, young kid, and they just needed. They they saw me in trial, probably thought, you know, what he could be a he could be a, a good second keeper to Brad, and probably help Brad along. Um, and I knew that when I signed the contract. Obviously, was hoping to play games, which I did a little bit. Um, but yeah, I got I just got really really lucky, kind of right time. I was playing under a coach that knew that that coach and uh, got down there. Was that the connection with Jesse? That Chivas was a connection days? with Jesse. So, yeah. So I lived uh, lived right down the road from Jesse, and Jesse asked if I wanted a carpool. Uh, those, not, my, those rides must have been something special back in the day. The, the carpool? Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't realize it was me. He wasn't looking for a carpool. He actually was looking for a driver. Okay. Because uh, his family had one car. And so, yeah, there was actually a pretty good career. There was me, Jesse, and a couple other guys, and, and we started uh, – charting who was doing all the driving and jesse was not his numbers were pretty low on that uh no the banter was ridiculous and it was two it was me and jesse we were you know we were in our early 30s at that point and the coffee had you know been pumped into our veins pretty heavily by you know by 8 30 whatever time we finally got in the car 
and the two younger guys were thinking, wow, there's a, this, this, the energy here is way too high for us. So, no, it was great. It was actually, it was really good personally to get to know Jesse. Um, and again, a guy who'd been in the MLS for so long, I learned a heck of a lot in a short amount of time being around him. Red Bull assistant coach Preston Burpo here, our monthly podcast. Uh, we've got uh, Red Bull head coach Chris Armas coming back up after the break. Uh, a few more minutes here. Um, Preston, I, I hate to do this, but I think at one point I actually told you when I have you on, I, I think I'd be remiss without asking you about how your career ended. Yeah. Which was one of the more gruesome injuries in probably Major League Soccer history. Sure. Yeah, uh, you know, it was <laughs> – it was in New England playing the Red Bulls. And funny enough, someone actually asked me when I signed here, do I feel like I've come full circle? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, because you were injured by a Red Bull player and Red Bull, you know, by Dane Richards. It's like, oh, yeah, I, don't, I literally never thought about that when I first signed the contract here to come here. So, yeah, uh, it, was a, it was a weird play. Not a weird play. It was, it was a play, right? I mean, I came out of the box. I, I was 100%. I was going to get the ball. I slid out of the box. Uh, ball was slipped in behind Pat Phelan, and I thought, okay, Dane Richards is running. I see Dane coming. I'm like, okay, no problem. I'm sliding things. Wow, Dane is so fast, and I didn't realize he was going to be as close as he as he ended up being. But even in the moment, like your brain is flying through with all these thoughts, I'm going to get it, no problem. And as I cleared it, and and, and Dane's cleat caught me. It was just, it was unlucky, uh, a play. And then, uh, yeah, I knew I was in big trouble. I mean, I mean. For those that were uh, sadly have seen the footage, they, you know my arm goes straight up, and um, I thought I thought 100% it was compound fracture. I mean, just the way it felt. Uh, and to be honest, to be honest, I didn't even realize uh, the doctor actually said it while I was on the field. I didn't know what was going on down there. I was just so uncomfortable. I mean, just get me, get me the morphine. I mean, true, like truly, like I'm not even kidding around. Like I thought I've had morphine before because I actually crazy enough I've had another freakish injury. I snapped my jaw in two places in Portland. The Portland fans will, will, will tell you about that. Uh, I'm sure they thought it was comical, but um, just a little small dig on Portland fans. Right? <laughs> um, but no, yeah, truly, I was like, I mean, please just get me into that ambulance and shoot me up with some morphine, and that'll help my cause. In, in today's day and age of social media, YouTube, yeah. Instagram, you could go back and watch that play over and over and over. Have you done it? I did it for a while to check my emotional status. I'm not even kidding. And then at one point I watched it after, I mean, it took a long time. Uh, at one point I watched it, I was like, man, whatever. Uh, and part of that, Matt, was actually, you know, we talked about the running before. When I said I did a half marathon uh, a year after my last game, like that, it literally was like almost the, to the day I did the half marathon. And so, yeah, it was crazy. When I, when I crossed the finish line, I got super emotional, just like, Getting past, getting past the injury, like, and that was kind of like the new chapter and, and such and so on. So, all right, couple, couple, couple more, and I feel like we could do this all day because the, these are why we love doing these these podcasts and have everybody kind of come in and take their turn. Uh, true or false? You have been the subject of a T-shirt at one point because of something that was drawn on a whiteboard. It was such a stupid joke, too. The answer is true. The guys walked in. And I see the disappointment still on your face. It wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. I mean, I thought I missed the memo. I see the staff on these white T-shirts, and I don't realize what it what's on the front of the T-shirt at first. And then you turn around and thought, the guys spent time and money on these T-shirts. It's just dumb. <laughs> and it was a picture of you, a drawing of you. It was you. a drawing of me. So Jesse Marsh, to his credit, is, has a pretty nice had a pretty nice drawing of me and, and the beard on the on the on the whiteboard. 
So yeah, they took a picture of that and made it into a T-shirt. Just wasn't time and money well spent, in my opinion, but they all thought it was. How many people, next question, how many people ask you about the beard? Because even Chris, when he left, he said, you, you, you far and away have the, the best beard going right now. Well, I've trimmed it up quite a bit from last year. Um, I like it. I, I'm when sure. did it start? It started in D.C. my second year that I worked there. We had a team picture. It was pretty cool. We had a team picture in front of the Lincoln Memorial, and it was totally cool, right? I mean, to get, I mean, the whole that that whole park area is just so cool. And yeah, the team did a team picture, and the team picture came back. And I'm like, oh my god, I look so skinny and just like, like, not healthy. Uh, so I thought I would mask my my skinniness with my beard. I'm not sure if it helps or not, but uh, yeah, no, I went with it back back in back in 2014. And you've never fully shaven since. No. Okay. No, saved me a lot of money on razors. Uh, I, I learned this not too long ago from talking to you as well. The car that you drive sure. to practice every day sure. is how how many years old now? 2002. Paid cash in December 2002. Subaru? Subaru Impreza. Yeah, love it. Still kicking. 180, coming up on 189,000 miles. And no yeah. plans of retirement? No, no. Uh, no, I love it. It's a beast. Uh, driving nice and smooth uh, air conditioning still works nice so yeah uh no i love it i live in plus i live in the city too where i don't i don't think i'd want a, a new car in the city and potentially get it dinged up down there so. a little scratch or ding on the subaru now I'm, just get, adds character to I'm it i'm not afraid of any people that want to try to cut me off either if you want to try and you want to ding me up <laughs> i mean there's already a bunch of dings already so. you, you and i share uh, a pretty good passion together, which is wintertime sports, yep. skiing, snowboarding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Favorite place that you've ever been to? Vail, for sure. The mountain's amazing. And when the snow hits there, it's just, I mean, it's epic. I mean, the backside of, of Vail is just, it's just, there's so much space back there. Uh, and yeah, I was, I was there a bunch of years ago now. I was on the front side with my girlfriend. And the snow was, we thought the snow was epic on the front side. And we went to lunch and someone was talking about the back bowl. And we're like, I don't know. I mean, you're a little scared of back bowl. Should we go? Uh, we went. And I mean, I've never been in powder uh, uh, like that before. So, yeah, I mean, Vail. But then Breckenridge was amazing too, right? But I, I was fortunate to be unemployed a bunch of times uh, in Colorado. Fortunate. So, I like that. Yes, very fortunate. Uh, where... You know, I, I was able to pick and choose powder day. So on a, on, a, on a day where the snow is coming, I actually would drive that, that Subaru we just referenced. I'd drive up, park in a parking lot, sleep in it, wake up in powder and, and shuttle over to the, to the mountain. So, yeah, I was, I was super lucky for that. One more before we wrap this up. You've been part of some real good seasons here with New York. Uh, Eastern Conference Championships run to the Open Cup Finals, Supporter Shield um, last year maybe the the best regular season team over the course of the last four years in major league soccer sure, sure how does new york take the next step and clear a hurdle to win open cup mls cup and get that trophy sure it's a great question you hope that the players that have been here now for the last few years and have been a part of these these team slash games you're, you're, you're talking about, the Open Cup, being a part of the Supporters Shield, being in big games, being in CONCACAF, you know, well, you know, this year we didn't have a, you know, you know, 
played and ended up getting knocked out by Santos, but felt like we grew through that series. Playing Chivas last year, playing Tijuana last year. You hope that the guys through these experiences and they can take those experiences and now take this thing into the playoffs this year and say, yeah, well, we are who we are and we are a team against the ball and uh, we are damn good at that, good at what we do. So, um, you know, it's just ideally, again, like I said, it's just can we grow from, from everything we've been doing here the last so many, so many years. Uh, but we're so close. I mean, even in, you know, I've, I've stopped. It's it truly the, the, the Atlanta series took a lot out of everyone, right? It's just we, we were there. Like, we were we were the better team. We were. We believed it. Uh, we let things slip in that first game a little bit and just couldn't couldn't quite catch up in the second leg. But um, And I don't think about that series, but that's it just shows you how close we really were. And obviously, you know, things have, you know, certain things have changed and, uh, but we have we have players here that that can win, um, and you see that in the last you know you know in the last few weeks now you, you, we've put together a few wins and you feel like things are coming along. Um, <clears throat> as long as we can kind of keep pushing things, be healthy going into the playoffs, like like we we are so close. So, yeah. Uh, you know, does it is it this year? Is it next year? I'm not sure. Obviously, we all hope it is. We all hope it's this year, and we're all gonna crank to try to try to make sure it is this year. I mean, that's why we're sh- everyone's showing up every day, and the players are on the field and in the gym and taking care of themselves and uh, doing the right thing. So, you know, we trust the process and then hope to hold that trophy at the end of the year. Preston, I appreciate you coming by and, and giving us so much time. I'm I'm sure later on today you'll drive the Subaru back to the city. You'll go for a nice run through new york with your dog enjoy i hope at the end of the year you grab yourself another six-pack right now you're you're way ahead though i think this podcast might start to put a little bit of pressure on some of the other guys yeah if it gets out guys might start popping over here a little bit more but yeah matt this is great yeah i appreciate you having me on we've got red bull head coach chris armis coming on the back side of this quick break we'll do fan questions and get you set for sunday with atlanta united coming to town We are back here to wrap up our monthly podcast, our coaches show on the New York Red Bulls radio network. And wherever it is you listen to us, Apple, Stitcher, Google, be sure to drop us a like, a review, a rating. Let us know uh, what you think of what we're doing here on the New York Red Bulls radio network. Back for the third and final segment in a uh, question and answer is the Red Bull head coach, Chris Armis. Uh, Coach, some fan questions for you and get right into them a little bit here. This is from uh, Lee. Leela Dace J, who gives the best pregame hype speech on the squad? Who gives the best pregame hype speech? It's a good question. Um, you know, Luis Robles often is the he's the you know he's the team captain, so he usually has some motivating words for guys. But we 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 mix that up lately. We've mixed that up, and like last game, uh, Ryan Mira had a few words for the guys, and we thought it was uplifting. We've had De- Derek Etienne the, the game before that. Sean Davis really set us off on fire four games ago. Um, Alex Mule right after that. We've mixed it up. They're all pretty, uh, pretty inspiring. I would say um, that uh, if I had to pick one, I'd say that 
you know, Luis, Luis usually has some good words for the guys. So a quick follow-up before we get to the next fan question. Who decides that? Is that a coaching staff thing? Is that your, your decision ultimately? Hey, uh, player whoever, Luis Robles, Ryan Mara, Sean Davis, can you get us ready to go out on the field today? Or do the players kind of organize that themselves? Well, guys always know that if they have something on their mind, they can chime in. So if we ask one guy, hey, you have anything, or Luis, if we turn to our captain, and I might say, hey, does anyone else have anything? And sometimes it's nothing, and sometimes Bradley Ray Phillips chimes in or someone else speaks, right? And that's always nice. But I'm usually the guy who, yeah, I'll plant a seed with a guy. Hey, Sean, would you want to say something to the guys today? Like before we get to the meeting. And, you know, sometimes they're a little hesitant, you know, because they're not always the ones speaking. But we try to empower guys for leadership uh training type of thing and and then it makes them think about the team a little bit and then it we want them speaking from the heart and they think about it a little bit and then it comes out it's almost perfect every time the guys what they say because they're speaking what's on their mind and what's on their heart on to our next fan question this one from aiden mccluskey uh hopefully you don't have to do this often but an interesting question how do you how do you motivate the team if you're losing at halftime yeah, and it's a it's a good question. How do I uh, part of part of my role and my job is to at halftime we we almost get like a little it's a timeout. We reset 15 20 minutes, come together. So it's usually not 10 different things that we're talking about. Because then I mean, what is that? Is everything going wrong? It's usually two or three things that we think we could do better. So we have to address just structurally or tactically in a calm way like what what's going on we use we use video to show clips we just to paint a clear picture of how you now can go out and, and change the way the course of the game was going in terms of motivating the guys listen you know i like to inspire people i like to motivate if the guys if i think that they need that then that's it could be pumping them up with words. It could be getting in guys individually. It could be the tone of the voice. It could be the optimism. You know, and that, I think, try to capture their hearts a little bit. And, you know, oftentimes, are they feeling a little anxious? Then I'm even more positive, more believing. So it's, you know, a few games ago, it's not, guys, you're down by a goal. Forget about tying the game. You will win the game. It will be 3-1. We win 3-1, right? It's, I think that's part of it, showing... Okay, it can't just be rah, 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 because that's probably not the issue. So it's tactically, how can we help, and then just instill the confidence and show belief. Question number three coming from Kaiser goes by at Soccer Warlock. Um, I think I know the answer to this one, because if you haven't been paying attention to the last couple of years, but I like the question because it's right around the corner. The draw will take place towards the end of May. Will we, meaning the Red Bull organization, Red Bull New York, Take the Open Cup seriously this year. We're going after every trophy that's left. No ifs, ands, or buts. We'll always manage the league the right way and Open Cup the right way. Right way equals play to win. You know, we... we again, there's a trophy out there. We haven't won it. We're going after it. We went after the Champions League. We've done it every year. We've gone after the Open Cup every year. It doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean that certain guys will play, certain guys won't play. We will put the team out there that best to win the match. 
and as we will prioritize the league and the Open Cup, but there's a trophy with our name on it. We are going for those two cups. Interesting this year with the Open Cup kind of falls in that International Gold Cup window, at least for, for part of it. The lineup choices might might be even more challenging to put together this year because there'll be a, a chunk of guys who won't even be with the team. Yeah, it's, uh, there's opportunity. And, and that's why these experiences of, of, of uh, CCL, the experiences of, of when you experience injury, when you have to – Okay, the team's going through a tough stretch. You got to change things tactically. You got to put some different guys in the field. All those experiences will set us up for success in, in in a tournament like that. So if we have to rotate or we call on certain guys, it's not going to be oh we're going with guys that we've never seen before. Guys are getting minutes. Guys are getting run, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll make sure we're going after those those. Uh, those two trophies. TGW with our fourth question here: Some songs that would go on your pregame playlist. My pregame playlist. I mean, what are you getting into? What kind of music? You know, listen. I, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, when you were popping the cassette tape in the old Walkman back in the I mean, days, yeah. Of the 90s look, I, I, I like soccer, that. I like to dance. To? You know, I like the dance music. I like hip hop. I like, uh, you know, I mean, you name it. Z100. I mean, I, I, my kids listen to a lot of, a lot of music like that. So it's it's perfect. I don't have, you know, I can't admit all the these young artists that I'm dancing to in the car, you know, but I'd say I'd leave it at Z100, you know. What was the song when you were a player that you would always try and make sure you listened to before a big game? Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, w I would have some music going a little bit, but it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't huge for me, music. I mean, I'd have a, a playlist that had it was a mix, a mix of, of like, Coffee talk, like easygoing to rocky. You know what I mean? To pump, pump, pump you up type of thing, to motivate and, and uh, we are the champions. Like things that just good music, things that you can find some comfort with. But um, I wasn't a pump up, rah rah, get too 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 worked up. I, I like to be even keel starting games. I knew that that whistle blew, I'd be ready to. I'd be ready to go. I didn't need that extra. Like music didn't wasn't the motivating factor for me. I'm gonna be thinking about Chris Armis in the car listening to Z100. That that is gonna yeah, be perfect. imprinted on my mind for the last couple of days. Ed um, Sheeran, you know, there's some different artists out there. You know, Ed Sheeran can nice and easy, but this I can go acoustic. I can go with some of the other artists. Justin Bieber, there's a good one out lately with him and, and uh, Ed Sheeran, I think. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I like Lady Gaga. You know, from Queens over there. Well, so, we're getting deep right now. You know? You're a pretty modern. You're a modern guy. I'm a young guy. I'm a young guy. I got, I got my my kids are 14 years old and 17, so I'm driving to soccer practice. My 14 year old time. So, all right, here we go. This one from uh, Ryan at 19. Ryan, what's more important, talent or hard work? Well, I, I say that. The hard work, you, you don't need any, you can control that, right? That that's, that is a must. You ha that's, you try to really focus on the things you can control. And there's no excuse for lack of, of effort, lack of hard work, lack of giving to the team, lack of attitude, energy, which is the amount you can put in, and being positive. So all that stuff, the work ethic, the, that is, that's a non-negotiable. You know, I would say that 
you know, if it, I would say that it's with me, the standard of hard work and effort slash attitude is paramount because talent without that is that's not talent. That's a waste of talent. So I think we're all realistic that at this level, there has to be talent. So the guys that we're coaching here, they all have some talent, not even a hidden talent. Every single guy has something that has set them apart. So what's more important? I would say that the attitude and work ethic is more important. One last question here, and this goes back to uh, something that, that you were talking about a couple of weeks ago. You, you had mentioned Michael Jordan. Now, you were kind of smack dab in the middle of Chicago during the heyday of the Bulls. Michael Jordan, the greatest player of all time? For me, it's it's always hard to, to put him up against, a, okay, Larry Bird or, or obviously LeBron these days and now Steph Curry. Like, But all time, I think it's got to be Michael. What he did in his time with the championships, with the scoring titles, with the way he played defense, the way in the toughest moments, in the biggest moments, he could execute. And he could make guys around him better. I, th I think even on the teams that he played on, it was Pippen for sure and Rodman. And it had some key guys. Steve Kerr back in the day, it was always a guy that could hit that three. But he, I thought he grew into a complete player. He started developing like a mid-range or a fadeaway jump shots. He could hit the three. but um, And then he could play defense. So, Were you catching some Bulls games back in the day? I was a Knicks fan, you know, for, mo for you know all, all the time. So... The, the Patrick Ewing, John Starks, Oakley, Mason, those were always interesting. In 94, I think, it, you know, they beat us in the conference championship, um, the Bulls, and they went on to win, but that was probably the year but that we could have done it. But I was a Knicks fan, but I was I was tuned in to the Knicks, Knicks and Bulls for sure. Coach, always appreciate you taking some of these uh, questions. You're a good sport when it comes to what the fans want to know. We appreciate the supporters. We really do. So... You know, we know we have loyal supporters that have been with us since 96, and even some that haven't that recently hopped on. You know, we, we, we feel the energy in, in the stadium. We need it. It's why we can rally in second halves to push hard. We fight for our fans, and as a coaching staff, we're determined to bring a couple of trophies their way, a couple of more. We got the Supporters Shield. Now we got to get the ultimate MLS Cup. Chris Armis and I do this uh, once a month. We'll have our June edition coming up for you next month. Should be a good one. We'll be smack dab in the middle of the Open Cup, the Gold Cup. We'll have plenty of stuff to talk about, as we always do. Make sure you check out our other ones as well. You can always go back and download past episodes. You can hear uh, Coach Armis in the older editions of the Coach's Show. We've got Inside the Booth. We've got our Players Only podcast kicking it up there for you as well. Thanks as always to Chris Armas, to our technical man Gordon Stevenson, to Preston Burpo. I'm Matt Harmon. We'll see you this weekend at the arena. It's Atlanta United coming into town to take on the New York Red Bulls Sunday just after 5 o'clock. We'll see you at the stadium and be sure to listen to us as always on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Thank you.